Please join me in prayer. O God, source of all light, by your word you give light to the soul. Pour out upon us the spirit of wisdom and understanding that being taught by you in Holy Scripture, our hearts and minds may be open to know the thing that pertains to life and holiness. Through Jesus Christ, our living Lord, in whose name we pray, amen. In today's scripture lesson, the Apostle Paul addresses the Philippian congregation concerning a rift or rivalry that apparently existed among two members. Turning now to Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, let us hear God's word. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord this way, my beloved. I urge you, Odia, and I urge Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I also ask you, my loyal companion, help these women, for they have struggled beside me in the work of the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As a parent of five children with 14 grandchildren and four great-grandchildren, I am very familiar with what we call sibling rivalry. It can begin with something as trivial as one child saying, you gave him more ice cream than you gave me, or why does she get to stay up later than I do? If one sibling takes a toy from another, the other one can quickly react and grab it back, and then a physical struggle can pursue. Or one child proclaims to another, Dad likes me better than he likes you, which is then followed by tearful feelings of rejection and often a hurtful verbal exchange. The list is endless. It can go on and on. These same issues, only more in more sophisticated forms, continue to emerge as we grow into adulthood. The way we learn to deal with our ch childhood sibling rivalry has a way of sticking with us and, and translating into the way we react and deal with conflict as adults. Reading scripture, we find such rivalry goes as far back as Adam and Eve's children, Cain and Abel. When the Lord accepted Abel's offering, but not Cain's, the latter became angry, and God warned Cain about his anger and his vengeance. But even so, Cain murdered Abel. Then there was Ishmael and Isaac, half-brothers, and sons of Abraham, Isaac's mother Sarah and her handmaid Hagar, Ishmael's mother, became jealous of each other. The enmity between the two mothers spread to enmity between the two brothers because of Abraham's poor decision in the beginning and still exists to this day in their descendants. 
When Esau heard that his brother Jacob had deceitfully taken his blessing, he held a grudge against Jacob and, and planned to kill him. This case of sibling rivalry had its roots in marital disharmony and also parental favoritism. Some 20 years later, and after their parents were deceased, Esau and Jacob did have a happy reunion. Then there was Joseph and his brothers. Joseph's brothers were jealous of him because of their father's favoritism toward him. They called him a dreamer and plotted to kill him, but instead sold him into slavery in spite of his pleading. The brothers referred to him as their father Jacob's son instead of our brother. There was no love lost for Joseph. By the end, the brothers were reunited, though, and all was forgiven, though it took many years and much tribulation to get there. Such sibling rivalry stems from jealousy, selfishness, ego issues, and parental partiality, real or perceived. As we read in the Psalms, God desires for siblings to live in harmony and to love one another. And in the great commandment, Jesus calls us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength, and to love our neighbor and our siblings as ourselves. We are also to reminded in Proverbs that love covers over all wrong, including the causes of sibling rivalry. Therefore, as parents and mentors, we are to raise our children to love one another. The home is a place where children learn how to love each other. And isn't that also true with our church family? For this is Christ's home. And as God's children and brothers and sisters in Christ, we are to model kindness, respect, faithfulness, fairness, and, of course, love for each other. Yet, as the frail human beings we are, divisive issues and disagreements will crop up within the church family, and that can create divisions and fractures. So how are we to deal with these issues? Let's take a look at how Paul responds to the particular disagreement between two women in the Philippian church. Writing from a Roman prison, he begins with a warm and caring address. My dear, dear friends, I, I love you so much, and I want the very best for you. You make me feel such joy and fill me with such pride. So don't waver. Stay on track, steady in God's will and way. I urge Euodia and I urge Syntyche to iron out their differences and make up. God doesn't want his children holding grudges, but wants them to be of the same mind in Christ our Lord. 
It makes me wonder what's going on between Euodia and Syntyche. In the early church, congregations often met in homes. If a congregation became too large, then they would split up and meet in several homes. It may be that these women led two of these congregations in their homes, and, and a rivalry of, quote, mine's better than yours kind of competition may have sprung up between the two of them. One may have been abrasive and the other's too sensitive, overly sensitive. Many clashes occur between people's different personalities. Or maybe one may have taken the issue as a personal affront while the other looked at it more objectively. Maybe the conflict stemmed from each thinking their own kind of music was the only kind of music that was appropriate for worship. Or maybe they even differed on the time of day they thought worship should be held. Who knows? Paul's letter does not say, so we can only speculate. But Paul wasted no words, but went straight to the point. I urge Euodia and I urge Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Note first, Paul is careful, very careful, not to take sides, but to treat them equally. I urge Euodia and I urge Syntyche. The language and phrasing are identical. He even calls their names alphabetically. Secondly, Paul implies that both bear responsibility for the split. It's not that one is right and the other one is wrong. Both are at fault. This is the tip-off. When there is a falling out between friends, family, or church members, neither party is entirely innocent. Each of us must take responsibility for the tensions that, that tear at the seams of our relationship. And thirdly, Paul urges the two women to resolve their issue between themselves, because if they don't, what will happen? Well, first, one will recruit allies, then the other, and before you know it, the, the church will be split into two camps. So Paul tells you, Odia and Syntyche, to sit down together, <laughs> have a cup of tea and some freshly baked bread, and listen to each other, pray for each other, and try to reconcile with each other. And if they can't or won't reconcile, he continues writing, Oh, yes, Sisygus, my loyal companion, since you're right there to help them work things out, do your best with them, for they have worked hand in hand beside me in the work of the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. In the original Greek, Sisygus is the word for companion which is described as a person who comes alongside without prejudice or preconception. 
Paul is calling upon this trusted friend and experienced colleague in ministry to help these two women work through the differences and, and begin mending their fractured relationship with each other. Here, Paul is calling a mediator, a third party, to, to arbitrate their differences. He's requesting one of the church leaders to, to help these two women, seeing that he himself is confined in the Roman prison. We don't know the identity of this go-between. What we do know is that he or she asks clarifying questions. Perhaps, perhaps the go-between asks Euodia to speak as if she is Syntyche and vice versa. Because when two combatants switch sides and describe conflict from the other's point of view, reconciliation often begins. It's terribly hard to stay angry when, when we're defending the opposition's position. And here is the ultimate goal, to be of the same mind in the Lord. If it doesn't mean to adopt the other's position and forfeit your own. My brother, who is my one and only sibling, is 15 months, 15 months younger than I am. We basically grew up like twins. By the time he was two, he'd caught up with me in height. And of course, through the years, he passed me by a whole foot. When we were in our teens, I remember our dad with his caring wisdom advising the two of us to never get, this is quote, never get involved in politics or religion. He said, that's where conflicts too often erupt. Guess what? Neither one of us took heed. My brother went into the political arena, and of course, as you can see, here I am in the religious one. Our dad used to smile and let us, let us know that he still loved us, even if we did ignore his advice. He was, he was proud of us, even as, as the ones the, that we accepted, the career choices that we had made. And he simply said, I'll continue to pray for you. And through the years, my brother and I have had very different views in both our politics and our religion. We've had arguments and we've had major disagreements regarding them. Yet, we've chosen to put our differences aside and accept and love each other for who each one of us is and for the many wonderful aspects of our history and our heritage that we share together. We believe that our family and our love for each other is of utmost importance in our lives. In fact, it's so much greater than any differences and of opinions that we might have in our thinking. We've agreed to disagree with acceptance, respect, and love for each other on those issues. Be, but being of the same mind in Christ. There are so many other things that we do share that we enjoy and love about each other that we, that 
they far outweigh the ones in which we might disagree. And in our dad's faith and in the mind of Christ, he kept us in his prayers, accepting our differences, while showing his love equally to both my brother and to myself. When we are willing to free ourselves from our personal opinions that, that differ from another and look at the other person as one of God's beloved children, just as we are ourselves, then we become open to accepting and loving one another. To be of the same mind in our Lord Jesus Christ means to, to view the world as Jesus did and specifically to see others as the Lord sees them. Whatever our differences, we will view each other as the person loved equally by God, redeemed equally by Christ, gifted equally by the Holy Spirit. And when we adopt the mind of Christ, we will embrace our opponent, if not their opinions. We will care for their needs, if not their notions. We will respect their character, if not their convictions. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 23? Those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Friends, this is Christ's home. So let us join with Paul in his concluding words, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Amen.